do you out there want to hear right now while I wait for Calvin to get on the, the air? Let's see, let's see. Oh, I know. That's not working. It takes a lot to make there it goes. Do. Enjoy. And just talk and laughter too. A scoop of kids to add the spice. A dash of love to make it nice. And you got too many cooks. Too many cooks. Too many cooks. <laughs> All right, seriously though, you want to hear this? No, what we're going to do here, ladies and gentlemen, welcome in. I'm done playing around. My name is Matt Rory. This is Careless Whispers, and you're listening to CLNS Radio. And uh, I hope you're having a wonderful Tuesday night. Things have happened over the weekend that we're going to discuss. And um, we have a phone number that you can call us if you'd like to discuss any of this. 323-642-1484 is that number. I feel right now kind of strange because I hear literally nothing. There's not even any sort of background noise. Oh, there's a little bit now. I just, I felt like I was in a vacuum alone, but now Calvin is here. Hello, sir. Hello. Can you hear me, sir? Yes. Sounds good. You're there and And I'm here. Yeah. Are you? Yeah, I, I, you might be oh, a little wait. choppy. Okay, well, that's kind of yep. I would like to truly apologize for that as well as I'm not quite on my game tonight. It was just temporary. Uh, I was nearly killed by today, so uh, we're already to call. Yeah, uh, Calvin is, uh, is uh, all out of sorts right now. And the reason being, he'll he'll fill us in when he gets a better connection. But he had a run-in with a uh, a car accident. He was a pedestrian, and he will tell you about that in a moment. But first, I will go to the call lines because there's already a caller on the on the lines three two three six four two one four eight four. Um, oh, never mind. I'm going to go to Calvin first. Ha ha! Tricked you. Calvin, hello. Yes, sir. That is much better. Nice. What a start to the podcast tonight, but I guess that's fitting. I was I was just saying that you're going to give us more information on your near your near death experience here today. We're glad to hear your voice, buddy. Thank you. So, uh, I was going to eat lunch at a place uh, that has parking across the street. I was at the intersection. Yeah, uh, and a, a, an old lady sort of made a, a left turn into the intersection uh, while the light was red, and the other side had a lot of busy traffic. So the right uh, front corner of her car clipped an, an SUV and sent the SUV flying towards, like, angled directly towards me on the corner. Uh, you know, it that was basically, I don't know, you know, 10, 15 feet in front of me, I really didn't even have time to react or you sometimes think you're going to dive out of the way or, or whatever. The car was 
you know, on basically on top of me instantly or, or nearly on top of me. It missed my body by, I would guess, two feet. It, uh, you know, hit the, the walk sign and just knocked it right over, uh, hit a fire hydrant, um, and then sort of went on a little incline that was on the gas station. The, the engine continued to rev. It was like eating up the, ga- the, the grass as the person got out and finally turned their car off. But that would have been me if I was you know, any closer to it, uh, a piece of debris from the, the impact of the, the cars hitting sort of glanced off my head. So uh, I'm, you know, physically okay, but I'm sort of a little bit rattled by it. I don't know. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm a wuss, but... Uh, no, that sounds, like a, that sounds not, like a harrowing experience. It's not every day that you witness a car accident within feet of you and almost hitting you. So that's uh, that's quite a wild situation to have gone through. And uh, he's, he, you're still doing the show. He's still doing the show, folks. So yeah, don't you forget this moment. Calvin is dedicated to Careless Whispers after we have been away from you all for so long and been we've been more inconsistent than the Boston Celtics. How about that? Yeah, we'll we'll try to come back to you if you guys come back to us. We'll, how about that? How about that deal? That's right. We will come back to you if you come back to us. And one person, Calvin, who has come back to us, I spoke to him after the game last night on the Celtics post game show, he has called into our show tonight, and I'm excited to hear him. Not as excited as I am to hear you, Cal, after the day you had. But Sam in San Diego, our first caller tonight at 323-642-1484. Sam, what's going on, man? Hey, I am at the airport getting ready to go to Boston to see the Mavericks and hopefully Dirk Nowitzki and, of course, the Warriors. And Celtics Nation, so I'm pretty excited right now. Um, not excited about the way the Celtics are playing. Hoping either Holford or Crowder will come back, which they probably neither one will come back. Um, but um, yeah, just wanted to to call in and express a little bit of, of enthusiasm. I, I know they're down, but but uh, maybe maybe this game against Golden State will will rip them up. Is what I'm hoping for. It'll it'll, it'll rile them up and get them get them going. Well, this, this, you, know, you know, the Celtics claim that they have uh, what the answer to how, to how to play Golden State, and I don't know if that was, uh, I don't know if that carries over to the season. The defense doesn't seem to carry over. But you, you think maybe they have something for Golden State? I, I think just knowing that it's a top team out there, um, maybe you know, because they seem to be so flat. Um, they seem to. It, it's really hard to understand why they're so why they're lacking so much energy. But I think just playing a team like this might might get their competitive juices flowing and, and maybe just get them to, to finally wake up, you know, the season's starting. So I think part think of the, their – I think part of their, their uh, formula for beating Golden State has to do with Jay Crowder, unfortunately. And with him being out yeah. and possibly – I mean, he's not going to play tomorrow night against Dallas. So hopefully he comes back on Friday. But you never know what's going to happen with Al Horford. Um Nick Sacento and I discussed that last night on the post-game show, and we just have no idea when he's going to be back. So that is going to be a situation that's tough to handle as well. Um, but Remember, I, I we just, didn't have Crowder that, last year, though. That's that's true. That's true. They played him tough at first with Crowder, but then in Golden State, he did not play in that game, and they still be, they still pulled it out. You're right, Sam. Um, 
So I don't know. I, I just I feel like there's a drop off uh, for as far as the backups are concerned to, to Jay Crowder this year, and not to not to say that Evan Turner is a superb player, but I think that he fit the system pretty well last year. Uh, and I'd have to go back and, and I will go back into the box score and, and just try to remind myself who played well during that game. Uh, but I, I know it's going to be tough for the Celtics because this year the Warriors are a different team anyway. Yeah, there's there. I mean, they're kind of it kind of had a slow start as well, though. Unlike the Lakers, I know Calvin's got to be happy about that. Um, but um, hey, I wanted to ask you guys before I go here, uh, or actually Matt, just wanted to ask you before I go. Um, you could recommend a good lobster place in Boston, and you don't have to think of it now. But if you could do it by the end of the call, by the end of the uh, show, that would be great. I'll be listening. So. Um, a good lobster. Well, but place. I okay. wanted to, yeah, a good lobster, best lobster in, in Boston that you can think of. So, uh, but I just wanted to call in and, and express my excitement for for the games coming up, and I'll, and I'll see you up there, Matt. And good hearing from you, Calvin. And uh, go yeah, tell you. Right, see you guys. See ya. Well, Matt. All right. So uh, I am now on the on the a mission to find the best lobster in Boston. I guess it, I, I, there are a couple different places that I'll throw out there in, in a little bit, uh, since he did give me till the end of of the show. Um, I'm not giving you till the end of the show. I'm, I'm you're not giving you me till the end of the show. No, I'm denying you that right to wait till the end of the show. I'm asking you immediately to tell me what the best lobster in Boston is. No, I'm just kidding. I mean, it's, there's there are so many different ways to eat eat a lobster. What do you if you want just a boiled lobster, you can come to my house and I'll cook it for you. It's it's like it, you don't need to go out and spend fifty dollars on a on a boiled lobster. But if you're trying to get something that's that's baked stuffed, or if you're looking for a lobster roll, good luck with that. Re, around now, those are going to be pretty expensive. Depends on. I mean, I don't know where he's staying, Calvin. I don't know what area he's going to be in and whether he's even going to be able to get to a place that maybe is in Back Bay or if he's going to be downtown. Listen, there's so many variables here. The, the problem with that question is that I don't, I don't go out for lobster. Why would I go out for lobster? It's so easy to just cook it myself. You see what I'm saying? It sounds like you should invite Sam over for lobster. Really show the best should. lobster. Sam and Nick. Sam and Nick, come on out. West of Boston, and then we'll we'll have some lobsters. We'll cook some lobsters. What do you say? We make some easy lobster. <laughs> so easy. It's it's uh, you just boil, you just cook it, steam it. You don't need to go to a restaurant for a lobster. That's what I have to say. But um, no, seriously though, seriously, if if he's just looking for like a lobster roll, and he wants to be downtown and have the uh, the experience of being on the water and stuff. James Hook and Company. There you go. That's it. Is a lobster roll just like a lobster sandwich? Basically, it's like lobster, lobster salad with a little bit of mayonnaise. Sometimes people put celery in it. Seems like a waste That's of it. lobster. Like when I get <laughs> lobster mac and cheese, I'm like, I don't understand why I'm eating this. I don't blame you. In any case. I'm sure if I had my phone on me, I'd be getting other responses about this as well. But it's in the other room. Oh, well. Um, That's what I get for not paying attention. Maybe I should go on Twitter. I think people are actually tweeting at me, at Team Green Truth. Sam does once in a while. This show is off to a roaring start. 
I'm, I'm glad that Sam came on because he actually gave yeah. us something to talk about, and then we killed that train. Um, all right. Well, let's, let's get back on to it. We got a couple yes. of Celtics topics. Yes, because the Celtics are, are kind of struggling re- recently. And I, for the benefit of the people that missed the post-game show, a.k.a. you, since you were supposed yes. to be on it, but instead I gather you were watching the Giants. And you don't have to tell me what your excuse is, but that's what I'm going to go with. Uh, <laughs> we, were, we were really critical of the Celtics last night. So if anybody wants to hear some good criticism from me, on the Boston Celtics, you should go listen to the post-game show because uh, uh, I'm going to probably not be as sharp right now as I was last night being fresh off the game and all that. But um, I ended the show last night, Calvin. I ended the show by complaining about something that Marcus Smart did in the game. Did you see any of that game by any chance? Uh, are you talking about the the, uh, the flop that he did on the, the Solomon Hill text? Yes, and then the gloating afterwards and, and yeah. pretending to be a referee and and totally rubbing it in everyone's face that he got away with that flop with a big smile on his face. I can't stand that crap. I just that's not something that I wanna I wanna see as a fan. This was something I wanted to address. I'm I'm glad you brought it up. Alright, great. So I I I did not see the game, but I did in fact see uh see that play in a sort of uh a gif of you know, the fact that there was no contact on that play and the, you're right, the smiling face that he made as he got up. Do you think that well, – here's my question. Is Marcus Smart flopping an undignified way to play basketball? Because he's sort of getting this rep now as he, like he's become the, the league's biggest flopper. He's taking the, the Vergeau, the Vlade, the, you know, Derek Fisher, whoever you want to mention, he's taking that that mantle of like the the, the league's biggest flopper, or known as the league's biggest flopper, and he seems to enjoy the fact that he tricks the refs into getting into having them make a bad call. Yeah. Do you see? So, yeah, I, what's the word you just used? Is it disingenuous or something? What's the, what? Are you, what are you saying? What was the actual question? Well, I guess my question is is like, do you just find it like? Uh, good gamesmanship. Where would you find it sort of a sort of low level of uh, almost cheating? I've, I've I've always found it so annoying, and I don't want get the guys on the team that I like to be doing that. Isaiah Thomas does it too, and he did it last night, uh, chasing down a, a loose ball in the backcourt. And it's just listen, they can get away with it, and it, this is what Sacento brought up last night. It's one thing to get away with it and put your head down and walk the other way, and be good at flopping, right? It's another thing to get away with it and gloat and bring attention to yourself and say, I'm so good at flopping, look at me, I fooled you, you're, you're, the joke's on you, you have egg on your face. And then the next game, you try and take, get flop, take a foul, and maybe you actually do take a charge and they call it the other way. You can build a reputation as a flopper without showing people up and then get away with it and everything is fine. If you want to use it as gamesmanship, I don't like the style of play, but I'll accept it. It's the gloating and just the bringing attention, putting the spotlight back on yourself that I have a problem with. Because in the long run, that can't help him. That's not going to help him at all. If that's his goal, to be the best flopper in the NBA, it's not going to help him to show up the referees and show up the other players when he gets calls like that. Because 
he's not going to get the calls later if that keeps happening. He's got to get that through his head. Do you remember? I, I saw you know when when they were talking about the uh, the flop that he did last night. They showed him. Uh, remind, reminded me of that flop in the playoffs against Atlanta last season, where he basically like jumps onto his back. Yeah, he, he like jumps over the sideline. People were putting memes yeah. and gifs out there of like grenades exploding underneath him, and he would fly up. And it's like, Marcus, get get yourself in check here. Like this isn't that's not a good look for you. No, but but see, to me, like it goes even beyond that. It's not only is that a good look, but like you're putting yourself in a helpless situation to jump like that and land on your back on the hardwood floor. Like you could you could have had a back injury doing that. You know what I mean? You could have a neck injury. I don't understand why you would put your body. I don't understand why you put your body in a, in a flop situation when you don't know what's going to happen when you hit the ground. And beyond that, here's the thing. I. It's it's almost understandable for me when you tell me Isaiah Thomas flops all the time. It's because Isaiah Thomas is five eight and he's not strong. Marcus Smart is what is he six four and he's built like a like a uh, you know like the Incredible Hulk. He's like a, a human wall. It's like a brick wall. I don't understand why he's you know reacting to contact. In, in this totally unnecessary way, I do understand it with Thomas, but he's defending it the way that he can and trying to get the call. But Marcus Smart is a strong dude. Like, point guards can't back Marcus Smart down. Uh, if Marcus Smart, like, you know, if he's there to take solid charges, he can take a solid charge. I don't understand why he's not trying to play better positional defense because, you know what, you're not going to get that blob call all the time. You're not going to get it all the time. So there are plenty of times when you're just going to fall down and the other person's going to have an uncontested dunk. When you could have, you know, you could have put your body in the way. And I I feel like he's just doing it too much. Um, And it's cowardly. It's cowardly. Yeah, it really is. I just hate the style of play. I hate that he gets away away with it. And I hate that he thinks that he's going to keep getting away with it. Because I'm telling you, this is, they're going to start watching this again. If you, if he keeps bringing attention to it the way he has. Um, I started looking to see if they had announced that he got a warning for being for flopping or whatever, and I stumbled across the 2016 NBA fines and suspensions list. Did you know that Dwayne Wade got fined twenty five thousand dollars on opening night for an obscene gesture? No, oh, well, you think it was a middle finger? It had to be a middle finger, right? I would think. Oh no, he made a throat slash gesture. During the, the the Celtics game uh, on opening night there in Chicago, twenty five thousand dollars for a throat slash. What do you think about wow. that? Wow, I, I feel like the Players Association needs to get in on that because who doesn't love a good throat slash? Uh, I mean, not an actual throat slash, but uh, a throat slash uh, gesture. And Paul George yeah. got fifteen. Thousand for the for kicking the ball into the stands there. If, I don't know if you remember that one. I do Actually, remember that. A throat slash is the same amount as a, as physical contact with an official, which is what John Wall just got hit with six days ago. This is a fun list. I'm going to save this and come back to it later in the season. Should I maybe play a little list game? Turn turn into a little list game somehow. Yeah, we could we could figure something out at, at some point if they rack up a bunch more bunch more different uh, different fines and things like that. Ejections. Marcus Smart's on here for technical fouls, etc. Two grand for a technical right. foul. That's, that's
it seems steep. Anyway. Anyway. Um, table that for now. Uh, yes, that will be next week. I want to talk about Horford now. He got a concussion. Okay. That was seven games ago, right? He's missed seven games. He's not ready to play. Apparently not ready to practice. How concerned are you? Um, I am a little concerned. I, I started becoming concerned last night when we were talking about it. And it's the thing that concerns me and that I'm most confused about is that they sent him on a relatively long plane trip to New Orleans. They put him through a shoot-around. Then they deemed him unfit to play and sent him back home on a relatively long plane trip to see or to, to go and get rest in Boston. Now, I feel like I'm repeating myself, but again, because I was just doing this last night. I'm not a doctor here, okay? I don't know the best procedures for treating a concussion. I don't even know what all the protocol steps are in the NBA. But I am under the impression, after a, a base, basic Google search, that long trips in a vehicle, whether it's a plane or a car, basically just a confined space like that, are not really the best idea when you're recovering from a concussion. So I'm, I don't know why they would send him down there if he can't even make it through a shoot-around. They should have been able to figure that out before he jumps on a plane to New Orleans. That's my, my first concern. Yeah, um, it's interesting to me. I'm, I'm reading uh, something that I wasn't expecting from some WebMP on, on concussion recovery tasks. Uh, but apparently, even with the rest, the average recovery time is it's supposed to be 43 days, but I've, I've never heard anyone take that long to actually recover from a concussion. Um, usually, when NFL players get concussed, they miss a week and they come back the next week. I realize it's, it's the NFL thing, but it's, it's certainly been longer than that at this point for Horford. He, I guess I'm a little concerned beyond that because it, it could be a, a misperception on my part, but I, I feel like he's He's had a lot of injuries over his career. He seems to uh, get hurt fairly often. I don't know. I, I I would just be a little bit worried about just the, you know the investment they made in him in terms of the contract and how healthy he's going to be. I don't want to overstate it and be you know chicken little over here, but um, yeah, I guess. It's, it's, making poor decisions okay. in terms of how we... I'm sorry? I said okay. Making poor decisions in, in how he's recovering, I'm sure have, have mm-hmm. factored into why he's not back yet. Uh, I guess I'd wonder how long it's going to last at this point. All right. Well, Sam has informed me via Twitter, Calvin, not to interject about Al Horford. I will get back into Al Horford in just a second but um, because I want to talk about the implications that it's going to have on the team if this goes a little bit long term but uh, Sam has informed me where he's staying and I will amend my answer 
and tell him that I hope that he's ready to spend some money because there's a place right down the street in Faneuil Hall called Neptune Oyster. Uh, and it is... Actually, is that in Faneuil Hall? Regardless. It's called Neptune Oyster, and it's it's a high-end seafood restaurant. And I would say that if you're looking to splurge, you should go there. That's that. Okay. Looking really coming through with a strong recommendation. If you're looking to splurge, which I don't often. I can't even remember the last time I was in this place. Years ago. I'm sure it's Did you ask something good. about lobster? Then, then, you know what? They should be prepared for you to tell them go to this expensive place. You know what I mean? You don't say, yeah, I guess hey, where true. can I... Yeah. Well, actually, you get a filet mignon, and then you, you answer, well, you're going to spend a little money. Well, now, obviously, you're going to spend some money. That's your fault. You don't want to spend money. Okay. I'm, all right, Calvin. Then I, I'm, I'm with you, then. I'm, that's what I'm going with. I'm going with Neptune, Neptune Oyster. Um, back to our Al Horford discussion here. As my, That's what I get for checking Twitter. I get thrown off on a little tangent. But I guess that's what this show is all about, right? Just jumping all around and getting thrown off in, on tangents. Um, this, to me, is a little bit concerning long-term. And I, I'm, I'm not sure that uh, Kelly Olenek is up to speed right now, so I don't think that the analysis that you can make of the big men without Al Horford is really complete. But I just... I, they're going to they're gonna be too undersized without him and not deep enough on the bench to get by and get definitely not get to 50 wins that people are predicting if he doesn't come back healthy soon. Uh, and they will probably struggle to get that first-round home playoff series as well. They might be back in the situation where they're the 6 or 7 seed at best. And if he comes back healthy and he's, and everybody's healthy at the end of the season then we're we're talking but i if he stay if he's out another couple of weeks with this thing and they still struggle and they drop a bunch of games to the lowly teams like they did last night then there there's going to be a problem here and i don't know if they're going to be able to adjust and they're going to have to just reset and go back at it next year and i i can't believe i'm i'm actually saying that after just 10 or 11 games that's it's ridiculous to even think but it, it is a concern because they're undersized as it is, and if this concussion thing starts to linger or if something else happens to him, I think they're already you, you can already see that they're going to struggle if, if he's not healthy throughout the season. Yeah, the size thing is definitely, you know, I think even with Al Horford, who's not a particularly big center, uh, going to be a problem, and he's at this point in his career seems to prefer – uh, a little bit more perimeter game. You can make an argument that, like, that Amir Johnson sort of plays more of a center role defensively, but... Sure, um, but they still get defensive rebounds, you know. Right. Do they get defensive rebounds? Olenek's the same that... way. Olenek's the same way. He plays a perimeter game on, on offense, and he gets defensive rebounds. He crashed the boards last night. That's the one thing that you can say that he really did well. Feel like okay, fair enough. And I, and I think crowd, you know, you can make the argument that Crowder will help uh, with that as much as anything because he is a big, small forward, and he sort of plays uh, a little bigger than than Jalen Brown plays at least right now in his career. So if you move Brown back to the bench, 
uh, and you, you you know put Jim uh, Jay Crowder in that position, maybe they get a few more rebounds that way anyway. And certainly defensively, that obviously it's not just actual defense, but the uh, the ability to defensive rebound has been one of their biggest issues this season. So, um, but Horford through three games was not. I, I don't think he was really getting that many rebounds. No, he's only getting five rebounds a game. So that's interesting in this offense. Can Horford even be the rebounder that, that you would want him to be? Well, right now Avery Bradley is the, is the rebounder on this team. He's averaging over eight rebounds a game as a guard, and he's playing in every game, and that's outrageous if you ask me. Uh, that I can't see that holding up throughout the course of the season. But if that is the case, then that's just an indictment on all the big men. I mean, you can praise Bradley all you want for being being a guy that crashes the boards and really gets things going on that end. But really, all these other guys that are six inches taller than him should be embarrassed by that because he's not that much of a, of a stud rebounder. He's just He has more effort than anybody else that is crashing the boards right now for the Celtics. So um, it's, it's a little, yeah, it's a little frustrating to, to see. Avery Bradley's not even like a James Harden super guard. He's six foot two. He's a small guard, so he should not be your team's leading rebounder. You're right. The big men should be embarrassed by that. Uh, I think it has a lot to do with the the fact that they do spread the floor so much. You you have to give them some sort of uh, relief in terms of their offense because they I do feel like the Celtics play a lot of five out. Uh, or four, you know, four out and one in, but the one in is like a guard, somebody trying to take somebody off the dribble and not necessarily a rebounder. So it it could also be a function of their offense, but I guess we're talking about defensive rebounds right now, so it could. I don't even know what the hell I'm talking about. This is what's happening to me today. I'm just I'm not on my. Team I don't today. know. But you know what? We're gonna take that and we're gonna move on and we're gonna go to a new topic. And I think I'm gonna try and have a little fun here with the NFL for the first time in years. Um, Wait, I don't think this time is there. You do? Yeah, I'm without it. Okay, I'm only doing it. I'm only doing it because I know you hate it. But as we talk now, I love it, so I'm gonna do it. <laughs> Ray, the, uh, the 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 Celtics trade rumors started and propagated by your boy Brian uh, Scalabrini. Yeah, of course, <laughs> stupid scam. Then, yeah, then he tried to pull back on it, but it was too late. Now, now people like us are talking about it. How That's you, right. People like us. A bunch of a couple of nobodies. Yeah. A couple of nobodies talking about it. Just like all the other nobodies that were talking about it before. I can't believe they actually addressed it to Bradley before the game on the Celtics TV broadcast, which is outrageous to me. They should have just ignored it. But basically, Scal wanted to apologize, so that's the way they went about doing it. Abby Chin apologized for Brian Scalabrini. Why wouldn't Scal just do it himself? Ah, ah, ah. It's all a bunch of. You think you think it's, it's frustrating that I'm talking about next season already over, over the first eleven games? It's even more frustrating that things like this start to swirl when apparently there's no backing to it. Well, there's backing to it on this show. Amy Bradley, Amy Bradley, and Jay Cloud are for Clay Thompson. Right? What are your thoughts? That means you do it. You don't want to. You don't want to. That's what I'm hearing. 
you do it in a I don't heartbeat. want Clay. Thompson. I don't really want Clay Thompson. I I don't know. I Crowder going through is tough, and Bradley's having the, the, a career year right now. The way Brad, the, the way Thompson's playing, Calvin, that's that seems it seems like the Celtics should be getting more out of that deal at this point. To be honest with you, I just I'm trying to I'm trying to look at things right now as he's playing, and as those two guys are, are playing, and obviously Crowder's hurt, but. Bradley's playing out of his mind, and I think Crowder is part of the reason that the Celtics are down so so much and, and having a tough time in games without him. And uh, I don't think that Clay Thompson brings the toughness that Crowder does on defense. It's just it's tough to match that. Guys, you heard what Rory said. He wouldn't take Clay Thompson for Avery Bradley straight up. That's not what I said. I know. I'm just trying to get. I'm trying to trick you into saying something outrageous. Yeah. You. What are you doing? Would you know if it was just Avery Bradley? Because I'm pissed off for greatness. Uh, well, Avery Bradley's playing yeah, right now. Yeah, that one's. That, I think. Yeah, I think. I. Oof, that one's. That one's a little bit tougher. Just the way Bradley's playing right now is making me pause on that. But overall, uh, you would. I think. Going into the season, you would say absolutely do that trade. All right, fair enough. Let's go on to some NFL talk. All right, let's go on to some NFL talk, and I, I'm gonna I'm gonna lead the way on this one. What I'm gonna do, Calvin, is pick. Uh, I'm gonna pick six teams here. I'm gonna pick three AFC teams. I'm gonna pick three NFC teams, and I'm gonna ask uh, you a question about them. And basically, it's gonna be how do you feel about these teams in this situation? Okay? All right, let's see it. See how long this takes. All right. Uh let's uh let's start at the bottom here. Do you how do you believe that the Cleveland Browns will be winless by the end of the season? Are they gonna get a win? Uh the Cleveland Browns will get a win. In fact, I kinda think the Cleveland Browns aren't that bad. And they should keep going with Kessler. I think maybe he he can get a win. I think if they switch back to RG3 uh, at this point in the season, he runs a completely different offense. That's when they might – I'm taking a look at their schedule, so maybe upon looking at their schedule, I'll change my mind and say, no, they won't mm-hmm. get a win. But, um, yeah, I I think Cleveland either gets blown out or they, like, remain surprisingly competitive in one of these weeks. Somebody's going to be uh, loose to them. It's not the Giants, though, because we're playing them in two weeks. Add one more loss to the schedule. (laughs) I mean, if you believe Bill Belichick going to that Patriots game in week five, the Cleveland Browns were competitive, and they were were in every single game that they've played right down to the wire. So uh, if you want to believe that man, well, then, uh, I, I they, then they, they would have a chance to win a game, right? But I just, I don't know. I gotta, I'm going to pull up their schedule. And uh, I, the NFL, NFL.com's schedule is so bad because it makes you go by week, by default. Oh, I know. I hate it. Like, I hate give, it. Me, but if, give me the team. Just give me the team, you jerks. Yeah. The NFL. If you're screwing up my segment. The NFL is just screwing up. My NFL segment. I try, I finally tried to do an NFL segment, and they just they just screwed it up because their website sucks. Okay, here it is: Steelers, Giants, Bengals at the Bills, the Chargers, and at the Steelers. I don't see the Browns winning any of those games. Maybe maybe they sneak one out. 
at the Bills? I don't know. Yeah, that's you. You're convincing me here now that you laid that schedule out. All right, I changed my mind. All right, Calvin changes his mind. The Cleveland Browns going winless this year. Oh, and. 16, unless they pull something out here. They just haven't looked good recently. Uh, and that's... All right. So the, 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 uh, the segment is restored. Calvin flip-flops in the middle of it. Beautiful. All right, jumping over to the NFC. The team I'm going to choose in this situation is the team that I hate the most in the NFC, the Philadelphia Eagles. Do you believe right. that the Philadelphia Eagles are going to make the playoffs? Uh, the Philadelphia Eagles, I do think they're going to make the playoffs, unfortunately. I also hate the Eagles <sighs> so much so that, yeah, so much so that my, my roommate and I have a joke about them. Uh, I don't know if you've seen the Big Lebowski, but they're the part where he, like, gets in a taxi and, the dri- and like, the driver's playing the Eagles. And uh, the Big Lebowski is like, I hate the effing Eagles, man. Yeah, man. Uh, uh, But I just hate the Eagles. I like the Eagles as a band. I'm fine with that. But I'm totally with the Lebowski. The Big Lebowski. The dude. Yeah, also with the Eagles. I mean, I hate the the Cowboys more, but I hate the Eagles nearly as much. So, uh, but I do think, you know what it is? It's just their defense is so good. I think that people overrated Carson Wentz earlier in the season. Clearly, he's not this, like, I mean, he might end up being that, but he's not the next Joe Montana through five games uh, that we were led to believe that he is. But I just think their defense is really good. And thus, they'll get that second wild card team. All right. Uh, I hate to hear that because I don't really know much about that, the other teams going on. I don't know if, if Washington's legit, but it looks like your division just by, by record is pretty tight right now, Calvin, over there. So uh, besides those Cowboys that you just mentioned, and spoiler alert, that's one of the teams we're going to discuss in a second here. But um, I'm just going to go with no. I'm going to go with the Eagles. Miss the playoffs, and I rejoice, and we play uh, poison later in the, in the season. That's what's going to happen. All right, back over to the AFC now. Do you believe that the second wild card team in the NFC or in the AFC? This is more of a general topic. It's not just a specific team. Do you believe that that team that team will be twelve and four or better? No, the second wild card team in the AFC will not be twelve and four or better. All right, because I'm, I'm looking at it right now, and as things stand, the Denver Broncos have the sixth seed in the AFC, the way things shake out. So they are 7-3 and three right now. And that, to me, yeah. I mean, obviously you're looking at the teams around them. Kansas City has their division right now at 7-2, and two, and uh, the Raiders at 7-2 at and two atop that division as well. So that basically is, is more a general question about the AFC West is is – that division as strong as it looks to be through the first nine games well, is more the question, I guess. Well, think about it. That means that the, the Broncos are what seven and three. Uh, yeah, you you think the Broncos are going yep. five and one for the season? They're not going five and one. First of all, and, and secondly, it's mathematically impossible because those teams are have to play each other a bunch. So all right. Yeah, the second wild card team will be ten and six. All right, Calvin thinks they're going to go back 
to basically what wildcard teams should be, 10-6. and six. And the math will probably work out for you there, Calvin. That was kind of a cop-out of a question, because I really want to get back to the NFC, <laughs> where I will ask you, sir, do you believe that the Detroit Lions will win the NFC North? This is a tough one. I do. I sort of have this feeling that the Vikings will find a way to right the ship. I think that whoever comes out of the NFC North, we're talking about you know nine and seven. Um, maybe the Packers can find a way to right the ship, but the way that they're playing, I don't know, man. It's hard. Yeah. I wouldn't. Now these are all these are all tough questions at this point in the season. They're they're within a game of each other. I mean, yeah. Um, both Minnesota and Detroit are five and four. Detroit is in the lead of for the division right now based on tiebreakers, and the Packers are just four and five. So it's not an easy question. That's why I'm throwing it out there, trying to have a little fun in the middle of the season. You know what, I'm, I'm going to pick the Packers. I'm going to bet on the best quarterback in the division, even though he has not played like that at all this year. And I'm going to say that the Packers end up 9-7 and seven and somehow squeezing into the playoffs because they're the only team that I can sort of see as a playoff team in the division. Well, the Lions are the Lions, and I would kind of would expect them to fall apart. So I'm going to go with no, the Lions don't win that division, and somebody else figures it out, and Green Bay is a good bet. But um, – I'm actually going to go with Minnesota. Both of those teams have, have are on a brutal losing streak right now, and I just I think that over the course of the, of the next five six weeks, they're going to be pretty similar. I think they they look like 500 teams right now, so it's really going to come down to who beats each other. And without looking at all three schedules, uh, I'm just going to go with the Vikings for fun. Okay, now. On to my third AFC question. And, of course, being in Boston, I've got to ask you about the Patriots. Do you believe in the Patriots as a number one Super Bowl contending team in the AFC? Do they get by everybody as, or by all the teams that are close to them as everybody up here seems to think they will once the playoffs roll around? That defense looked shoddy on Sunday. And people, some people are saying it's because of the Jamie Collins trade. Some people are saying, I think Belichick and Patricia are overthinking things, and they're just they they really blew that game on Sunday in multiple ways. But the overall question is, do you buy the Patriots as a number one seed Super Bowl contender coming out of the AFC? Uh, I do, but I think it has as much to do with like how I feel about the AFC in general than, than the Patriots specifically. I think the Raiders uh, could could potentially – I think the Raiders are a year away uh, from being the team that could beat the Patriots. Like I, I think that, you know, because Carr has no playoff experience whatsoever and really nobody other than Michael Crabtree like on that team has any playoff experience, it's hard for me to imagine that they're just – going to be the young team who just goes right to the Super Bowl, especially because they have the same defensive weaknesses that the Patriots have, right? So, look at everybody else. Can, like the, you know, Kansas City plays a style that plays right into the Patriots' hands where everything is underneath uh, 
they're going to be able to contain that defense, that offense. Uh, Kansas City is going to score 24 points, and you know Tom Brady is going to be able to outscore. Even though the defense is good, he's going to be able to figure it out. And I just have I don't think that team's built for the playoffs. So then, what what else are we talking about? Pittsburgh, uh, I don't know how good their defense is. I think Pittsburgh is like the the real threat, but then the question is like, is Pittsburgh even going to make the playoffs? And if so, they're going to have to play all their games. Like, are they even going to be able to make it right. uh, to? You know, get to that game in New England to try to beat them. I, I think that Roethlisberger could go into New England and beat them. So I guess that they're they're the wild card. But outside of them, you know, Baltimore, based on their history, maybe. But Baltimore's personnel is garbage, and I don't I don't really see, I think they're a pretender as well. So the Patriots are just yeah. the obvious choice. Even it's though, a strange yeah, right, time. The strange time in the AFC. Uh, the Broncos don't even look that great, even though they're seven and three. They just don't look that good, and they're not even the talk of their own division. There are actually two teams in their division that people are talking more about. I, I feel than them. Uh, and then you look at a team like Pittsburgh, and they've lost four games in a row. So it's it's tough in the AFC right now. I just personally, I'm I'm having doubts about the Patriots. They they just don't look like the dominant team that they are made out to be year in, year out. They look like they're going to be there, and I, I have this bad feeling that Belichick is just looking around the league and trying to bring him and trying to challenge himself or challenge his team and bring their talent to the level of everybody else around the league and then still find a way to win. And to me, that is fine for their conference, but when you get to the Super Bowl, I think that you're going to be facing a, a legitimate powerhouse coming out of the NFC, regardless of who it is, because I think there are two or three teams that the Patriots would just not have a good matchup against and would, would probably struggle against. But that's that's for another day, I think. Um, because Do you think the Walton Collins has anything to do with how the defense is playing? Because I, I don't really, because I, I think they were playing bad before he left. If anything, they were definitely playing better. poorly before he left, but the, now there's not really a playmaker. So you can people will focus on that and say, well, not, they're not making any plays now. At least Collins was making some plays before. But, no, I, they were definitely playing poorly before he left. You're right. But do, do you think maybe, like, the, the Chandler Jones trade had, has had a bigger impact on this defense than maybe the Jamie Collins trade? Yeah, I think it's a combination of the two. And, I mean, the Jones thing, at first, they, they, they basically gave up the fact that they were going to pass rush. They don't, they don't really get to the quarterback. They were going to rely on Chris Long to be coming off the end there, and he has done a nice job for them. I like what what Chris Long brings to the table, but he's not Chandler Jones. And it's just another unfortunate situation where it seems as though the Patriots sent, shipped him off when it was convenient for them, just like they did with Jamie Collins for some reason. Even though Chandler Jones got had that run-in with the synthetic marijuana, and he didn't get cut at that point or traded away at that point. They kept him in the system and had him play for them until the off season when they shipped him off to Arizona. So they didn't do that with Collins for some reason. So that leads me to believe that something else went wrong with Jamie Collins that Belichick just wouldn't tolerate for whatever reason. Maybe he broke, well, this, broke the rules in, this, in the system on the field. Maybe he punched somebody in the locker room. Maybe he did something. He said something about Belichick. 
I, I and, thought it was and about being money, friends though. with Donald Trump. Who knows? Who has who has any idea what happened between Collins and well, the Patriots? I had heard that Collins' uh, agent said that he was going to be asking for Von Miller money, and the Patriots knew they weren't going to re-sign him, and, and therefore just yeah, tried to get something before. In in the first interview that Collins had in Cleveland, he said he he never asked for Von Miller money, and uh, the Patriots were just assuming he was going to or something, and they're trying to they're trying to nip things in the bud and and all this stuff. But the point is, you, the compensation that they got in return is extremely similar, if not worse, than what they would have just gotten if had they let him walk and taken the, the NFL compensatory pick at the end of the season and had somebody else signed him. So I don't I don't buy the fact that they wanted to cut salary or anything like that because it, at this point in the season there's there's no there's no major effect either way. And the the pick that they got is still gonna be relatively the same. So it doesn't make much sense to me. Anyway, we gotta finish this NFL segment with jumping back to the NFC. And I'm actually not going to ask you about your Giants, Calvin, but you can talk about them if you'd like. I am going to ask you, will the Dallas Cowboys lose another game? I thought this game against the Steelers was going to be the one, and uh, it didn't happen. Looking at their schedule coming up, they do have a tough game at the Vikings and, of course, at the Giants. But after that, we'll see. Last game of the season at the Eagles, it looks like the Cowboys are going to have a relatively easy road besides those couple of games. I think they can beat Minnesota in Minnesota. I think they can win that Eagles game in Philadelphia. So it really comes down to playing at the Giants on December 11th. How do you feel about the Cowboys as a number one seed? Are they going to lose one of these games? I think they'll lose a couple of games. I think the way they the, the NFL season works, it's just inevitably, you know, unless it's just a historical year, I, for the most part we see teams that we every year we see teams that are 8-1, and one, um, I think the Cowboys will end up thirteen and three. They'll still have a good second half uh, to you know to go thirteen and three. They'll still go five and two in the second half. So it's not like I'm really calling for them to fall off. I think you know maybe they go thirteen and three because uh, they they clinch that final game and the Eagles need you know that final win to get into the playoffs. Factor that in, you know, they can lose another game along the way. I'm going to predict that they lose two more. But let me ask you a question, Murray. Uh, Tom Brady had been the, NFL, the, the, the betting favorite for the NFL's MVP, and despite the fact that he had only played uh, four games, you know, before Sunday. Do you, think, do you think that's fair, or is it or is it unfair? And after he threw a pick in that game against Seattle, and they lost their first game, so now he's you know played in five games and been four and one. Doesn't have the undefeated streak anymore. It doesn't have the non-interception streak. Do you think that that sort of his MVP candidacy uh, should be killed or put on hold, or do you think it's still fair to, con- to look at Tom Brady as hey, this guy should be considered for MVP? Even though his overall numbers aren't necessarily like he doesn't have like the most touchdowns in the NFL, or what do you think? Well, yeah, the numbers right now I wouldn't really speak to it because I think for the first four games that he played, the Patriots' offense definitely they looked significantly better. It was clear that the the offense was great again, and it, it was Tom Brady made the Patriots' offense great again. Uh huh. See that? Yeah, I got you. And, I got you. Uh, I got you. Yeah, I know. I'm just 
making giving the dramatic pause as I am want to do. Um, the point is, for the first four games, they look great, and even in this this last game, they made some strange decisions, uh, like not punching it in immediately uh, uh, at the goal line when they were down there with like 45 seconds left in the game, trying to play mind games with Pete Carroll and all that stuff and clock management, yada, yada. They just punch it in, please. Punch it in and trust your defense for once. But no, they know not to trust their defense because they were letting up touchdowns when they were playing like nine men back, rushing two guys, nine men in the secondary, and still wide open down the field running – is, I think, was that the Doug Baldwin touchdown? Unbelievable. Just how can you not defend that with all those guys back in the secondary? I don't get it. The defensive scheme is not there right now. I don't know if they don't have the personnel or what, but it, it just doesn't look good. So I just – the point is, I, I think that Brady's candidacy for MVP – was warranted because they looked so good on offense, okay? But now he threw a bad pick yesterday. That was that was a bad pick. He should have done anything else with that ball. Take the sack, try and step up a little bit, throw to, to one of your down receivers at his feet or something. Anything but that, that goose that he threw up. It wasn't even a duck. He threw a goose up in the air. It was easy. Can of corn for the for the football player there, even though it's a baseball term. Uh, so it it definitely takes a hit now, Calvin. But I don't know who else who else is out there right now that you would throw in the MV, MVP candidate for the AFC. I mean, maybe not the overall MVP in the NFL at this point. But I mean, are we talking about Russell Wilson? Are you talking about Aaron Rodgers on a mediocre team? Is it is it Ezekiel Elliott? But in, when you look at the AFC, it's still Tom Brady, I think. I think it's Ezekiel Elliott or it's Matt Ryan. I mean, if it's the AFC, you can talk about David Carr. I mean, Derek Carr, I do that all the time. Uh, I, I think he's the other viable candidate in the AFC, right? Carr or DeMarco Murray, I guess. I guess. I mean, I, that's what I'm saying. I don't think that it's. I don't think that there are many great players right now in in the league that are actually performing at that high level. Maybe I'm. Maybe I'm naive, but it just it seems like the league the the quality of play in the league is down overall, and it, that that's not a team thing. That starts with players. Yeah, that's true. But I just think when it, when it comes to Brady, unless his numbers are overwhelming, it's hard for, it's hard for me to, to buy the argument that, you know, he missed four games. And he, unless his numbers are far superior to any of the quarterbacks or, and their record is superior, which maybe they go undefeated the rest of the season and maybe Brady's numbers are, if, if not quite as good as someone like Carr or Matt Ryan, maybe they, they're comparable. But... Um, if they're not, you know, if he's still five touchdowns or more short, then I, I don't understand how you can, even if the Patriots have a great record, how you can put him up there after he's missed a quarter of the season. Yeah, I think when when it all plays out, he's. I would hope that he's going to be up there. Um, but you're right. If 
if he's not at that point, then you have to give it to somebody else. And if it's just because of those four, those four games, then so be it. But right now, there are definitely going to be guys that are putting up better numbers than him because they had those extra four games. So he's going to have to he's going to have to turn it up here if he if he wants to be considered for the MVP. That's all. All right. Any more questions? That's all I was. That's all I had. That's my three teams. Three and three. All right, fair enough. Uh, but. Maybe LeGarrette Blount should be considered for NFL MVP since he does have 12 rushing touchdowns. How do you feel about that? I'm sorry, I can't say that again. I, I, I didn't hear what you said. <laughs> I said maybe LeGarrette Blount should be considered for NFL uh, MVP because he had 12 rushing touchdowns. How do you feel about that? How many yards does he have? <laughs> Good question. <laughs> Not enough. Not enough. 678 yards. <laughs> Yeah, you got to do a little bit of that to get into that MVP conversation. He is on pace to have his best rushing season yardage-wise in the last uh, six years. He's only had 1,000-yard rushing season in his career, and uh, with the Patriots, his best was 772 yards back in 2013. He's already got 678. He's well on his way, unless Bill Belichick pulls the old... Sit him down, do something else, play James White, whatever he does. For some reason, he does that with running backs all the time. Why do these guys overthink themselves, Calvin? I'm getting myself all worked up. Okay. Right. Fair enough. We can move on, then. Yes, let's do it. Um, give, me, give me some Phil Jackson NBA stuff here with uh, LeBron and the fact that uh, Phil Jackson – is a is an old white man using words that uh, are offending people. All right, so Phil Jackson did an interview with ESPN.com the other day, and uh, he made a comment about LeBron James. Would you like to hear it, Ray? I'd love to. I'm, I'm going to take that as a yes. When LeBron was playing with the Heat, they went to Cleveland, and he wanted to spend the night. They don't do overnights. Teams just don't. So now Spolstra has to text Riley and say, what do I do in this situation? And Pat, who has iron fist rules, answers, you're on the plane. You're with this team. You can't hold up the whole team because you and your mom and your posse want to spend an extra night in Cleveland. So Uh I don't know how you feel about that. But, uh, you know, uh, LeBron James and Matt Matt McCarter. Pretty harmless. Pretty harmless, right? But, uh, yeah. Yeah. Now, McCarter and Rich Paul and LeBron James has, have not react, reacted well to this at all. In fact, it's, it's made them angry. Uh, now, McCarter now said, this makes me wonder. This makes me wonder. Hold on a second. Is LeBron, right off the bat, is LeBron and the, these other guys, his friends, getting, are they getting angry because it's Phil Jackson or because it's, someone in general. If Dan Gilbert said that, do you think that they would still be angry? Or would they be looking at him as LeBron's boss, his employer, and the man that dictates when the plane leaves? Or the bus, or the whenever the bus leaves, or whatever, wherever they were going, you know? Oh, this is, no, this is fine. You know, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spring it on you why, why they're upset. 
but it's, it's not that at all. Uh, no. Maverick, Maverick Carter told ESPN that he was bothered because of the idea that Jackson said it because James and his friends are young and black. He can use that word. That word meaning posse. That's what? that's what, that's what we have a problem with it. He said, LeBron said, we see the success that we have, but then there's always someone to let you know how far we still have to go as African Americans. I don't believe that Phil Jackson would have used that term if he was doing business with someone else, and working with another team, or if he was working with anyone in sports that wasn't African American and had a group of guys around them that he didn't agree with what they did. I don't think he would have called them a posse, but it just shows how far we have to go. Oh, okay. So I'm going to now read the definition of posse because I wanted to see if it was if it had any sort of negative connotations or racial undertones. And uh, here it is. In the United States, the historical um, definition of posse is a body of men, typically armed, summoned by a sheriff to enforce the law. Okay? In Britain... Historically, the definition of posse is the body of men in a county whom the sheriff could summon to enforce the law. And informally, the word posse's definition is a group of people who have a common characteristic, occupation, or purpose. Now, to me, I feel like this man who's getting upset that he's part of a posse is misinterpreting the, the word posse. How do you? What do you think? Well, I, so I also feel like you're you're missing uh, a modern definition of the word posse. Sure, those that, those are classic definitions of posse, and cl- clearly we can agree, we can agree that Bill Jackson doesn't think that LeBron James is a lawman, right? In, uh, maybe, not, it's, not maybe it's a, a group of people who socialize together, especially to go to clubs or raves. That's an informal version of it as well. How about that? Hmm? That's that close. One? That's that's close. But the the, the actual uh, common commonly used definition of posse. Ray, have you ever heard of the show Entourage? Yes, I used to watch that show quite often, actually. Yeah. So, uh, Fitz and Chase, or Adrian Cunier, the actor who played him, had a group of friends who hung around him, and sort of, um, they were just basically his friends, and he, they, you know, lived off him financially, and he, he sort of created jobs for them, and they, they existed basically to hang out with the guy who was, who was making money. In, in terms of how the word posse is commonly understood in, in cultural today, it has to do with the, the group of hanger-ons that surround the celebrity. That's what a posse is. That group was mm-hmm. called the posse. Uh, Leonardo mm-hmm. DiCaprio, uh, the, the actor, has a, a group of, of friends who follow him everywhere, or you know, yeah. he famously did during the, the, the early 2000s. That group included uh, uh, the kid who played Spider-Man, Tobey Maguire, at the time. Uh-huh. That group, yep. that group was known as uh, another word for vagina, posse. The blank posse. That's right. The blank posse. That's right. There you go. Okay. So here's here's the thing, right? I get why they wouldn't want to be called 
part of the posse because a posse just means like a, a posse is like a, another uh, word on. of like yeah, yeah a group a group Moocher. of freeloaders. Yeah, yeah, yep. many, uh, many of the a group of freeloaders. I understand why they would find that insulting, but what I don't, what I don't agree with at all is the notion that it's racist. Because again, I just gave you two examples of white posse's. Uh, Mark Wahlberg has a posse. Rich people have posse's. But the posse is just a group of friends that follow people around. That's not something that is, that has only existed in black culture. It's been a commonly uh, again, referred to thing. Maybe they're not aware of it, and they're assuming it's racial. I don't want to hold anything against them and, and say that they're trying to create an issue, but I, I doubt that Bill Jackson, of, of all people, is a racist, and I sort of... I have an issue with this because I don't like defending Bill Jackson, as as you know, but he's... Yeah, he's clearly talking about, you know, LeBron's group supporters, that follow him around, and maybe these guys yeah, have built themselves into a legitimate company and you want to criticize them for it, demeaning guys like Rich Paul and Maverick Carter who have other clients now and, and they, they're doing well for themselves. To refer to them as a posse is fine. But to, to, to add the racial note, I think, is where I would take a stand and say, you're being ridiculous. Um. Uh, so Carmelo Anthony was asked about that stuff too, and he he seems to be just fed up with pretty much any everything that's going on, and he just he, he sort of tried to. It looks like he tried to ride the fence here and say that it, it could mean anything, and that he doesn't obviously know what Phil Jackson meant by it, but he wouldn't think that he would mean anything racial by it, and that Carmelo just started basically talking about how everybody's getting all up in arms about things like that. And um, it's just, I don't know, just reading the quotes without hearing his tone and all this, it sort of seems like Carmelo is backing Phil Jackson and basically just saying, listen, he just used a word. It's not it's not a big deal Why why you... I mean, I can understand why that people are allowed to get offended, basically, and that some people may use it in a derogatory manner, but it doesn't seem to Carmelo that that's the way it was used this time. So uh, at least his Phil Jackson's star player is, seems to be backing him up a little bit. Yeah, I. but then again, I, I think that Carmelo Anthony... Uh, is probably you know probably well, first of all he's close friends with LeBron James he's probably friends with his friends he's certainly not particularly close with Bill Jackson so I think Carmelo Anthony has his own agenda in this situation. Well, yeah. But yeah, LeBron yeah. is very very upset. All right. All right. Um, do you want? Do you have anything else? This it's kind of early. I didn't even realize what. Where are we? With this. It's a little bit early. Like, I had some other things, but I'm like I'm a little discombobulated right now. Do I? Did I no, we hit Clay else? Thompson. We can, we we kind of hit it all, Calvin. I think uh, maybe I should have extended the NFL topic a little bit longer to see what's going on. Um, Let's see. Um, 
The Rams are going to start Jared Goff finally. Uh, there you go. Yeah. So, I mean, Jared Goff probably sucks, right? Because they've waited this probably long to play him. Right? Yeah. <laughs> but he was going to suck They don't want to put him out big. there. He's probably not that great. They, didn't they didn't they come out and say that they weren't going to play him until they were mathematically eliminated from the playoffs? Didn't their owner say that? I think Jeff Fisher said that he was like not going to settle for nine and seven, or yeah. Um, but in, uh, in maybe this is like they're waving the white flag on the season, but I don't think they're that bad still, right? It's just the quarterback play is that terrible that like how much worse could it be with Jared Goff? It's just fascinating to me because it's like people have been calling for this guy forever, week after week. Jeff Fisher just refuses to put him in. And now, now he's going to play, but now there's this, like, waited. Now he did it at the worst possible time. Like, he could have he could have started Goff at the start of the year and taken his lumps, and Goff might be good now. Instead, it's like the Rams aren't great, but they aren't terrible, and maybe Rams fans are in their first season in Los Angeles uh, watching this team. And, maybe, and believe me, you know, the Rams are on the air. Rams talk is happens all the time over here, so I know people want Goff to start, but there's a second Goff uh, plays two games, and it's just worse than Keenum, who is, is terrible, but uh, doesn't necessarily shoot them in the foot as often as, as you might expect from a guy like Goff. I, it'll be interesting to see what kind of backlash comes where, hey, you should have started him earlier, he'd be fine by now. I, I just don't get the notion of like creating a situation where the season is not lost, but you're also not in great shape, and then and then playing him now. So he's getting less experience, and the team is, like has less of a chance to win. It seems just like the worst of both worlds instead of the best of both worlds. Um, I, don't, I don't really know anything about the kid, so uh, I'm going to rely on you for that one. And just, especially since you're in the thick of it out there, and You've been paying attention, I assume, to the Rams, even though you're not a Rams fan. You've got to be just hearing about it every day. So um, that's fair enough. It's just, it's just so, you adding uh, an extra NBA, team, NBA teams aren't staying in Trump hotels anymore. Is that what you said? Is that that's uh, a report that I've just read? Yep, I've just I just went. There are some sources that are reporting that the Milwaukee Bucks. Oh, you want to guess who they are? Sorry. <laughs> Uh, I would accept that I just clicked on the story and so no. Oh, got it. Is this the okay, Grizzlies so, and the Mavs? Yeah, the Bucks, the Grizzlies, and the Mavs right now. And but there, there's also a little bit further down. It says ESPN is not naming eight teams in total, but they're against the Knicks, Nets, and Bulls. And there are teams that are will not be staying in those hotels when they go to those cities and they play those teams going forward. So maybe somebody will come out and prognosticate who those teams, those eight teams are. But uh, sources are saying, yeah, that the Bucks, the Grizzlies, and the Mavericks have all decided that they are not going to be staying in the Trump hotels in New York and Chicago when they go to this, those cities. Now, apparently the, uh, the New York Trump Hotel is no longer owned by Donald Trump, but just in the, in the negotiating of the sale, he negotiated the fact that the hotel would retain his name. Don't you? I, I feel like that might be a little extreme, refusing to stay at a place that is no longer actually uh, profitable to Donald Trump. But uh, what do you think? Yeah, that's that's. I would hope that uh, Mark Cuban, who obviously 
it makes sense that he's behind this if his team is one of them. He it was a staunch uh, defender of anybody that wasn't Trump throughout this election process. Uh, and he he uh, he would be one of those guys to, to not do something like that, I would think. But he should also have the sense to realize that just because the name is Trump doesn't mean that Trump owns it or is getting any proceeds from it, which he probably isn't. So, although, who knows? Knowing Trump, maybe he did make a, a deal to get some proceeds from that hotel, too, because he knows how to make money, and that's what he's going to try and do for America, right? That's that's part of what he's he's told everybody out there. So, see if that comes true. Um, but I find this to be interesting because there are plenty of boycotts and, and protests throughout the nation. Whether people voted or not, they seem to be protesting, which it is a different story in and of itself. If you didn't vote, then why are you protesting now? Like, go, go home. Seriously, anybody that's protesting this out there, I just don't understand either way how you could protest something if you didn't vote in the first place. And I know there's plenty of people out there that are doing that, and it just seems ridiculous to me. Uh, that's a story, actually. Mike Evans decided that he was not going to protest anymore because he didn't vote. I, I don't know if you saw that story coming out of the NFL. I, did, but, uh, I just find it fascinating that, that teams would just stop going to a place where they that they would frequent and possibly inconvenience themselves uh, because of this situation. And it's uh, it's de- definitely a volatile time in our country. There's a lot of crazy crap going on, and uh, this just fuels the fire, I think, all, all the way around. And th- I don't think things are going to get better anytime soon. It just seems like something crazy happens every day and, uh, I don't know, not to get down the rabbit hole here, Calvin, but it's um, you, you hear you hear new things every day. Let's put it that way. Yeah, to, to hit Mike Evans real quick, look, America, you need, you need to get over this. Look, Mike Evans, is, he's still allowed to have a political opinion even though he didn't vote. He's getting crucified on, on social media, Instagram, Facebook, because he uh, sat out the national anthem in protest of Trump, and he admitted that he hadn't voted, and so therefore everyone's saying he's part of the problem or, or, or whatever. It's possible to be frustrated uh, with the political process and, and also not vote because you don't believe in what's out there. Like, like you shouldn't vote unless you do, unless you are passionate about it. Kudos to Mike Evans for not having particularly uh, strong feelings, sure. or maybe he had strong feelings against the candidates. And refused to vote, didn't want to vote for for whatever reason. It's his business. That's, but it's yeah, also you know what? I'm not saying you have to vote. You definitely, that's your right as well to abstain. And a lot of people did abstain in this in this election. Go ahead. Yeah, it's sort of. I I just I push back against the notion that well, uh, you know, if you didn't vote, then then you know, and a candidate got elected, well, then it's that it's your fault that that candidate got elected. Did he lose by one vote? He didn't. Lose, he, he didn't lose no, by one no, vote. no, no. It's not. It's not somebody. It's not a single person's fault. But if yeah. groups of people that did not vote are going to then protest the person that was elected because they don't like that person, then to me that that that's going a little overboard. You can't have both. Well, if, I, I mean, mean, the people that that are the ones that voted against him and are protesting, if that's the way that they want to express themselves at this point, then that's great. More power to them. I just have a problem with the ones that 
that abstained from voting and now are are getting involved in protests. It's a little late. I have I have sort of a a, a bit of a problem with people. I, I think it's a little late for protests to exist. Period. Like if people are protesting the results of a free election that that's over. I mean, if, if you had a if you were trying to make the argument that you know I don't, we don't want this behavior to be normalized, well, if you if your issue is you don't like Donald Trump, you probably should have protested before he became president because uh, obviously his platforms are normalized because people voted for them. Like half, half of America voted for them. It, yeah. To where protest, was? You're, right. You're basically where were the, where the protests at the beginning of the whole process? People, you know what? A lot of people, I think, that were against Donald Trump just couldn't fathom that he would win, and they just didn't. I guess they didn't care to put the effort in going forward and throughout throughout the process. And I think that's a shame. Yeah, but you know we don't want to get too political here. Nope. So that's all I'll say. We'll draw the line at that. Yeah. We'll draw the line at that, and um, I think uh, I will just say one more thing. Terry Francona has won the AL Manager of the Year. Congratulations to him. I was hoping that his Indians were going to upset the Cubs in the World Series, but it did not happen. They had a valiant season. They knocked off the Red Sox, who played like crap in the postseason, by the way. And um, congratulations to Terry Francona. On that, I think he deserves yeah. it. Great, he's a great manager, Hall of Fame manager. Congrats to NL Rookie of the Year Corey Seager as well, MVP candidate. All right, and we've hit baseball. Should we? Let me let me look at. Is there a hockey score that I can throw out there for the people tonight? Just uh, just yeah, because yeah. Uh, we want to hit all the sports. Let's hit all the sports. We've got the 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 L.A. Kings down two nothing to the Avalanche in the second period. Plenty of time left there for those Kings to get some. Pucks in the net. Get the pucks in the net. Score those pucks. Kings go. Right? That's what they say out there? They do. They say go, Kings, go. Go, Kings, go. I think. I don't know. Maybe they don't. Maybe they don't say that at all. I just realized that I closed the studio. That's pretty stupid. So, we so I can't end the show until, until I get back in there. Um, dun, 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 dun. Yep, so Alright, I'm back in Now I can end the show Thank you all for listening tonight This has been Carlos Whispers I hope you enjoyed it two weeks in a row And uh, we hope to be back again next week Even though I'm not looking ahead Can you think of anything, Calvin? Um, I can't think of anything now I think we're good Alright, that's it And we're good Yeah. Did you say it? I did. I said it. I didn't. I didn't hear you. I think the music was too loud. Oh. Good night, everyone. There we go. See you later.
Thank you, Bob.